All right, Johnny. All right, Tyler. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Then you might like Le Petit Mort by James. So, as the strains of Curse Curse die away, it's time for yet another episode of Then You Might Like, the podcast where Tyler and I discuss bands that are possibly similar, like, influenced by, or even just in the same ballpark as you 2 And today we've moved from Baselin, last week when we had Depeche Mode, right up to Manchester, where we have James and Le Petit Moore, the album that was released in 2014. Tyler, this is one of your picks what do you think, and why? Why are we talking about James of all bands? Um, well, James are one of those bands uh, that you come across in the British music scene over the past 30, 40 years. They've they've just been around, normally in the background, but if especially if you go to festivals in Britain, they mm. are one of the the big acts. They are I. I I hope it's not being dismissive to say that they are a, a festival act. They really, quite opposed to you two, actually, where you two have never, in the later career, found the the right festival for them, and they they don't really perform that well in a festival setting. They do what they can, but they they they're much more comfortable in their own arena tour or stadium tour setting. Yeah, and even that Glastonbury performance kind of split people a little bit. You'll find some people who thought that was great and a long time coming and it was a success. Other people who think, nah, you two don't still don't really belong, even with all the, those fo- sort of fireworks and pyrotechnics, don't really belong in a Glastonbury setting. But I get what you mean, James. Definitely festival band. Yeah, and I think you can uh, you can see them on two different planes. Really, you can see that that festival band, the band that's out there every summer, and the the they perform uh, absolute crowd pleasers. Songs like sit sit down, songs like getting away with it. In fact, I think they're one of those bands that, depending where where you are in the world, there are different lead singles or there are, there are different. Uh, songs that, that that made them famous. It's not just sit down. I, th- I think I, I actually think sit down is is a pretty redundant song at this point. But maybe it's just because I've heard it too much. It's not been a song that has ever excited me about James. Neither has Laid actually. Well, those were the ones that I would say before you mentioned this as a potential album that we could do for Tummel. They were the only two songs that I'd say, okay, I confidently know those. So it's odd because I don't really... What about, what about She's a Star? I think that falls into the camp along with getting away with it all with songs that have just existed in the back of my head, but I, didn't, I wouldn't be able to have called them up. So there's a, there's a line at the start of this album where he says, I mean, very early on in the first track where he says, it might actually be the first line, he says, you, mo- you, you know more than you think you know. And that really does apply to James here. And when I started going back through the back catalogue, I realised, wow, actually, even though I know nothing about the band, I wouldn't have been able to tell you even the lead singer's name before. I do know their songs. And I particularly like Born of Frustration, which, I mean, just as a side note, is very Joshua Tree-ish in its video. Like, I think you can't look at that video and not think a little bit Joshua Tree in the way it's been presented. So, yeah, I know know some things, but I've definitely never sat down and listened to a James album end-to-end. So this is going to be you in the driving seat for this, I think. 
That that's fine. Uh, and it's worth noting then that that I only came to this band James and, and and this album after about six months of being harassed, I think, by a friend of mine to listen to this. And and I think I did, and I and and I and I know that it was one of those albums that was on my radar for about six months. I'd put it on and nothing you know, the magic wouldn't really happen. And and the album would finish, and then I, I wouldn't think about it for another couple of weeks or another couple of months. But that album cover, mm. um, it certainly made me go back to it because that looks like an album that I want to like. That <laughs> looks like an album that I want in my collection. I I wanna I wanna have people round to my place and maybe having a few beers and listening to some records, and people come across that on the shelf and go, "Whoa, what is this?" It's got because a very the album look, yeah. The album cover looks fantastic. So it, it looked like an album I wanted to get into. But at first, musically, I hadn't quite found the level that I needed to. Mm. It's quite a flimsy reason to, to want to get into an album, but there's there's been worse. Well, I think there was some peer pressure on that, you know, like with, with people saying, I know you'll love this. I know you'll love it. Mm. And sometimes you do just have to have to give it a bit of time. That can also end up having the reverse effect, really. You can end up sort of pushing against this you know with everyone saying oh you'll like this you'll like this and you think just sod off for a bit maybe i will but just give me my own my own time and space i think a lot of people were like that with breaking bad and game of thrones because instantly everyone said oh you have to like this you have to get into it i think it got a lot of people's hackles up um but yeah it's a great it's a great cover and it's i think looking back on the kind of stuff that james has been doing i think it's it was a wise choice for me at least because after a long time of listening to this i mean comparatively speaking we give ourselves usually a few weeks to properly let these albums bed in when we do this show it's definitely one that i've enjoyed and i think i would i've I've preferred doing this than one of the roles or possibly more classic albums yeah i think i think it's an interesting one and uh this is ground zero really for me with with james uh, I knew nothing about the band. I, I like you, knew a few uh, a few of the hits from you know from years and albums gone by. But this was the first time I ever sat down to listen to a, an album and get a sense of who the band were mm. at that time. And it's it's a it's a band with a with a legacy. So I feel like I'm not going to see James on this tour on the Le Petit Mort tour is one of the biggest regrets of my life. The, the live stuff I, looks good as well from particularly looking at the video for curse curse and live performances it seems like it would have been a really fun tour to go on yeah and and i think at, at that time as well being about 23 uh you know coming to the end of university but still partying like it was the beginning of university i think it really would have been one of the one of those huge moments in my life one of those huge gigs that you always look back to um, so that's a regret I have to live with. But uh, this album is, for me, James are... Uh, this is my version of James. Yeah. You know, like if you look at you 2 and you go, well, I liked I liked War and I liked Unforgettable Fire, but I didn't like Rattling Home. So that early 80s period was my U2. Yeah. Or that early 90s period was my U2. This is my James this is this is the way I think about them. This is the way I see them, and everything on this album informed the way I feel about it. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for that, this to be 
the version that I listen to most and maybe I'll I'll go back but the the older stuff doesn't have a I can appreciate the song craft on things like Sit Down and Laid um although I always thought Laid was incredibly um I mean I'm not trying to be prudish here but incredibly risque considering it was played on the radio like I remember hearing the lines um you know from back from my school days and thinking is, is that's fine being on the radio is it apparently but i guess it's it's just it's just before <laughs> getting actually too risque to be considered offensive or whatever it's more like a I, I think i think it's a trope of of what uh tim booth does with his lyrics he'll have some very heavy uh deep meaningful themes running through but all also lace songs with um kind of very bass rude crude uh subject matter and and it reminds me in a way of uh, the way christopher hitchens uh would 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 uh nail some of his points home with the most basic of language (laughs) fair enough and i guess we'll see those um those kind of things coming back up uh, when we get to the second song on this album definitely yeah um uh, should i do the u2 connection i don't normally do this bit uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I had a look, but I couldn't find too many connections. And most of the connections that I found from people just randomly making comments online seem to be more in the derogatory camp rather than the complimentary camp. So yeah, any connections would be great. Uh, right. So uh, Bono uh, is a fan and has been seen in attendance at many James gigs over the years. Uh, during 1982, when James be- began to find success in the Manchester Hacienda scene, uh, this is a scene that you two were in awe of, and due to the influence of Joy Division and New Order, they actually wanted to work with Joy Division's um, producer, whose name I forget. It's Martin. Martin Hannett. Martin Hannett, yeah. Um, which, and I was interesting when I was looking looking into this. I was like, oh, did James work with them then? He, did, did James work with, work with him? Um, it, James didn't, but. Th- you two almost certainly would have been aware of James right from the very beginning, just by how closely they watched that scene. However, much in contrast to you two, James frontman Tim Booth has been sceptical of political music, stating, I have reluctantly written about five political songs out of hundreds. It's a, jo- it's a genre I don't care for. Now, whenever I hear people say anything like that, I immediately think, oh, that might be a dig at Bono, oh, that might be a dig at you too. I don't know if if that's just me being protective, um, but certainly that's how I feel. So I I almost feel like it's a, a thinly veiled uh, comment on on musicians like uh, or songwriters like Bono and, and you two. Uh, but James have also worked with Brian Eno on the albums Laid, Wawa, and Pleased to Meet You. Um, Fair point may have been more sensible for Tummel, a review two podcast to start with albums like that. But I think it's important for myself and Johnny to talk about albums that we have a similar connection to like we do with you 2 And those Eno uh, inspirations or influences, I, f- I think are still very much there on this album. Yeah, I also think, A, we can do what we want, it's our show. Um, B, this does sound like an album that... I can see lyrics that sound like they wouldn't be too far away from the Bono Park. Sorry, any James fans who don't like you two. So I can see lyrics that that cross over the kind of things that are not far away from Bono's repertoire, but also guitar um, 
choices that seem very edgy as well or in the same ballpark i'm not saying that either the lyrics or the sound is derivative because I just, I just don't think they are but there is a crossover here and we should talk about albums that we actually have a passion for i do not want to sit down and talk about sit down because I, I just would find it incredibly boring yeah I, I again going back to that festival scene i think if you're in a festival and you've you've, you've had a you know a couple of beers or something else then you 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 you'll probably sing along to uh um sit down just like everybody else although one of my one of one of the only things that i did know about james before we started looking at this was my friend karen went to watch them probably about 10 years ago or so and she came back and said they didn't place it down and she said like come on at a festival and you're james you've got to play it so i think they've they very it's probably become a noose around the neck but it, hasn't it fallen in and out of love within that band uh, no, so they very often will give uh, the audience the choice. You know, do you want to hear Sit Down or do you want to hear, hear She's a Star? Or do you want to hear Getting Away With It? Or do you want to hear, you know, so they'll they'll do like a, a live poll. Mm. Um, and it's not uncommon for James to just start playing a song that they've not played in years. Yeah, it, they, they just Keep it they, loose. They just... Yeah, they just they just go with it, and they go with what feels right, and they let the audience decide, and I think that's great. Um, I know, and I haven't seen James. I wish I had, uh, but I there. If I went to see James and they didn't play "Getting Away with It," I'd be really disappointed. Well, same here with um, "Born of Frustration." I'd be annoyed if they didn't play that. But I know they've got a, a thirty year with a bit of a hiatus back catalogue, and they have been relatively good at churning out albums. So. I, I guess it might be it might be difficult. A bit like going seeing you too. You're gonna get disappointed in some on some level just because they can't possibly cater to your specific itch. You know. I I, I, re- I always remember that family uh, the se- the second night for us in Manchester. Oh yeah. A couple of years ago, and it was it was an older family that we you know growing up kids, and um, I just felt like they were there to see hits from the Joshua Tree. You know, and stuff like that. And when and when you know that they're not going to play that stuff, it made me feel a bit dirty. You know, it's, it made me feel like I was I was hiding something from them, even though that one of them refused to shake. My, well, didn't refuse. He just didn't shake my hand when I uh, smiled at him <laughs> well, during one of the songs. Well, these days that's good practice, so I don't I don't blame him. Fair enough. So we, let's introduce James then. On vocals, we've got Tim Booth. On bass, we've got Jim Glenny. On guitars, Larry Gott. Shaul Davis on guitar and violin, Mark Hunter keyboards, David Bainton Power on drums, and Andy Diagram on the trumpet. And I didn't know his name was Andy Diagram, but I, I, I think he's I think he's absolutely fantastic on this album. Anytime that trumpet pops up on this album. In fact, if you're at home and uh, you're gonna listen to this album on closed cans, anytime Andy Diagram pops up with that trumpet, just know that I'm smiling. I am smiling. The only bit of James trivia that I wanted to put out before we started talking about the actual album is that I had seen Tim pop up on a film that I like, Batman Begins, and he actually he actually <laughs> plays the villain Victor Saz or Saz. I can't say his name because it's got it's got two S's and two Z's in it, and there's only five letters. Um, but he's a he's a, a serial killer that kills people and then um, scratches as a kind of mark on his body to represent all the people he's murdered. You know, you do four vertical lines and one horizontal slash. And I, I never knew he was in that film. So he's, he's moonlighted as an actor. I know he's had other acting credentials. So he's, he's got a lot of different talents 
does uh, does Tim Booth. He does. If you go to his Twitter, uh, which I'm very hurriedly doing now, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's quite interesting to, to to see what he lists as his. You know, when you your little description thing at the top: songwriter, dancer, actor, fool with a capital F, James Singer. Uh, interesting that James Singer comes last. Quite, quite low down. Um, or maybe saving the best to last. But I know he was originally, from my tiny bit of research that I've done into James, he was originally brought in as a dancer. And that gives you an insight into the kind of Manchester scene where you had, for want of a better word, bezes who were just meant to be hype people to bring everyone up and dance on stage. But obviously they tapped into his very distinctive voice and the fact that he's got a fantastic ear for lyrics and he's got a, a very big vocal range as well the, the, which this album proves yeah he's he's kind of unique I, I do see him as as a complete one-off and he doesn't seem too bothered about being himself um and and just to back up what i said about the the set list uh, james set list um the last bit of james uh, of tim booth tim booth's twitter is uh change the set nightly the open-minded are welcome and I love that as a as something for a lead singer to say instead of a instead of a frontman who's trying to appeal to everybody and anybody yeah. uh, to just to just say if you're open minded you're welcome to come to our show I, I I like that defiance and I mean that is one of the things that is lacking in some ways from I mean you can't have it all you know all different ways but you two if they have these huge songs and then they have all of the stage set and moments that they know they've got to hit throughout the set list even if there is some flexibility you're never going to get that flexibility in a in a recent U2 show because you you just can't you think oh well we've got to have Z Station because that's what all this choreography is going to do that's what the screen's going to be doing now to me that trade-off is worth it but you do lose something which a band like James would be able to have because it's a bit more relaxed and they've not got to definitely hit that kind of mark. So, yeah. Yeah, so do we have any more preamble or uh, should we get on with the uh, with the chart? No, head into it. See what was popular around in in 2014, in June 2014. Yeah, we've not said that. I've not actually said the date. I normally have the date written down. The 2nd of June 2014. Wow, we're, we're getting good. We're, we're almost on point, actually, with these. Right. Johnny, oh, uh, just one moment or two. I'll just find my uh, my special top of the pops record. Bear with me. Bear with me. Ah, oh, there we go. Hit it. In number ten, "Summer" by Calvin Harris. Number nine, new on the chart, "Beating Heart" by Ellie Goulding. Staying at number eight, it's "Only Love Can Hurt Like This" by Paloma Faith. Number seven, down from three, "Dangerous Love" Fuse OG featuring Sean Paul. Staying at number six, it's "All of Me" by John Legend. Number five. I Will Never Let You Down by Rita Ora. Number four, Waves by Mr. Props. New on the chart, number three, Jubal by Glingande. Not sure about that one. Uh, and uh, number two, uh, Stay With Me by Sam Smith. And new on the chart, new at number one, it's I Wanna Feel by Second City. That evoked very, very little for me. I, I, I'm always baffled by how little I recognise any of these charts. The closer we got to number one, the more of a struggle that that, that became. Uh, Stay With Me, I know Sam Smith because of the Bond theme, but I don't know Stay With Me. 
Oh, I remember that one. That was a relatively large hit for him, but I'm not going to try and recreate his uh, distinctive voice. So, yeah, I remember it. I remember I remember actually when I went watching uh, U2 in Madison Square Garden. I think the next person in the garden after U2 was Sam Smith. And people in the queue kept asking me what people in Britain thought about Sam Smith. And I really didn't think he was that big. No, I was, I was, my, my immediate response would be, he's all right. Like he's not got a, he's not a massive star, but I guess now he probably is. Um, yeah, I think he's got a pretty big following in in well, I say America in New York, the only state I've been to. He's got a good voice. I just don't I don't <laughs> find that much distinctive about what he does. But I mean, I, I've never really got into his music, so I can't really say anything about him. He's got he's got a beautiful voice. I don't know what his identity is. That's what I mean. Really? I, you know, I don't I, have much of a distinctive yeah. idea about what he what he does or stands for. But whatever. Um, there's. Only love can hurt like this. Paloma Faith, one of my absolute favourites. Yeah, it's just it, to me that's a top ten of of meh to me. I, I either don't know or don't care. Yeah, I I am genuinely surprised by that top ten and how um, how removed from it I was. I think though no, that this just says more about us though. There'll be loads of people who saying I think I think I actually knew that Waves song and quite liked that that, but I think it just proves how disconnected. I, I have I've never been. heard of Mr. Probs or Waves. I think if I played it, you'd recognise it from the background of summer parties. But whatever, let's move on. Let's get back into the actual Fair album. enough. Yeah, so here we go with James and Le Petit Mort. Track one then, Johnny. Walk Like You in at seven minutes, seven seconds. And I was disappointed this wasn't the Jungle Book cover. <laughs> I think that would have been oh, a good. perfect start to the album. Really get us in the mood. Eight, uh, six years of listening to this, and I've never made that connection yet. So well done. <laughs> um, it's it's a brave thing to begin an album with a huge track like this, in terms of its time span. It's seven minutes seven seconds or thereabouts, and it's multi-layered, multi-parted, but it doesn't feel its length. It's enjoyable throughout. It it builds and develops, and I like the way it ping pongs between ideas of disappointment and and dreaming. So you've got the bit where he's saying we're made of stars, we're made of dirt, and I, I like a song that's got its its head up in the stars, but its feet in the dirt in that in that sort of way. And the the start though is odd. It seems almost gothicy piano at the start, almost like we're going to begin a, a musical. Well, I was going to ask you about this um, because I mean, I've got a lot of questions actually for you on this one. Um, Shoot. But um, what scene does that piano set for you? Like a Western bar at the start. You see, that's interesting because I can't place, I can't, it, it puts me in a certain frame of mind, but I can't fully say what the scene is and I, and I feel like because the title of the album is Le Petit Mort uh, that I'm forcing my brain to think of a, a funeral setting but the piano's too fast for a funeral setting. Yeah it's it's both it's gothic but maybe again that's because we're talking about death and there's a big skull on the album front 
and it does seem a little bit sort of tragic but then there's also that western feel to it you know someone playing piano at the back of a bar but then also there's a Manchester feel to it as well which might just be again associations I'm bringing in from outside that relatively fast-paced piano you know dingle dingle dingy kind of thing so I don't know yeah it's, it's disconcerting and it's certainly not the expected start of a rock album no certainly not but when um, he starts singing when he when he actually starts singing the word talk that's when this song got me I think from pretty much the first listen because it is a bit disconcerting. Really? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I, I've been listening to this during lockdown. It's been one of my, okay, I'll stick this on and go for a run. Um, not a very long or strenuous one, it has to be said. And I've been listening to this and letting it play through. But I remember running around the park and thinking, this is a bit weird. And then as soon as Tim starts singing that talk and you hear how good his voice can be, that's where it really got me. Fair enough. I mean, because... I can't say that this song got me straight away because the album didn't get me straight away. It took months. It literally took months. Uh, so I, I'm kind of... And when when you said that you'd like another week with this album before we recorded, I thought, oh, well, he's going through the same thing that, that I, I went through. Mm. But if this song got if this song got you straight away, then that's that our, our takes on this album, I think, are going to be very different. Um, which is good I, and uh, fuel for uh, an argument. Well, I, I, feel. I think it, I think it definitely. I mean, I, when you said "Let's do James," I wasn't full of joy because I thought, "Oh, James, let's just sit down and laid whatever." That like it'd be more like that, but newer. And I, th- I always thought that the the fortunes of bands like that have only diminished. Like for example, I actually really like the Stereophonics '90s and early 2000s stuff. But that band, to me personally, has just been diminishing returns, and maybe a couple of you know flare-ups of well, that song's okay. But pretty much everything past Dakota to me is is not worth listening to. And I thought it would be the same thing with James. Do you know what I th- I think Stereophonics, uh, and I don't think we've ever talked about Stereophonics on a podcast before, or maybe ever. But I think they they've kind of come around and found where they belong. And they're doing what they're comfortable doing, and they're not necessarily chasing, you know, lead singles or or, or number one albums. I, I I have pretty much more respect for Stereophonics now than I ever have done. Well, like I said, it's 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 more the fact that it probably ties to nostalgia, and also I really liked the stuff when I was growing up, and the, that's why it's got a particular place. But I, I'm glad that the, that James are not chasing anything. Well, it doesn't seem like they're chasing an older sort of sound. They seem to be experimenting. And I think there is a sense on this album that they are weighing up the past, I don't know how many years exactly, but you know the decades that they've been making music for and saying, well, we're just going to try and make the album that we're at now. You know, he says, he says, so this is it. And that seems to be, okay, this is the album that we're going to make now and you either like it or you don't. Um I, th- I like the I like and this is where I maybe find some crossover with the lyrics um, of the sort of thing Bono might write as well. But he says, "Let's inspire, let's inflame, create gods from our pain." I don't know whether he's saying gods or gardens there. It sounds like it could be either. And I've seen lyrics online that say gods, um, but I think it's a very it's a very it's a very Bono way of thinking of things. Of let's take something negative and let's take experience and the harder side of it and turn it into something pure and for re- rebirth and yeah. renewal, you know. 
I think Tim Booth is a, is an artist and he thinks of things in a very different way to what most people um had the way most people would would think and if you've read some of Bono's recent letters his 60 letters uh, about his 60 songs uh Bono doesn't write like a human being he write he does he writes like a poet and it's kind of like he's he's let go of all uh, sense of uh, embarrassment or shame, and he's just he's open heartedly flowing, uh, and it's it's interesting. And 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 sometimes I think Bono is a bit ashamed to be himself, but in those letters, it's nice and it's personal, and it, he's just he's just revealing more about himself and I, so i can see them in the, i don't i'm very hesitant to say that tim booth and bono are too similar but i can see similarities between the yeah, two yeah and i also think that this song definitely benefits from the fact that when he does float off into the stars um which he's got every right to and his and his voice really backs that up he then also grounds it in little details which is good so the lines that I like a lot are, so this is it, a universe of birth and death, love and neglect, but we forget dad's off on tour or in a meeting. So at the start, you know, we're talking about the universe, birth and death. You can't really get much bigger ideas than that. But then it's back to dad's off on tour or in a meeting, which just seems a bit more like the mundane sort of sadness or boredom of, of everyday life. So I like the fact that this album, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a pretentious album, even though it does tackle big subjects which is great. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the album was promoted, um, perhaps less so by the band and more so by the media, uh, with the with the, the carry-on or the caveat that um, it was it was written in the months following the passing of Tim Booth's mother. Mm. Um, so when when you listen to the to this song, you're either in the right her mind or you're not. Uh, and everyone's experienced loss and and that, that grieving process, and it, it is very personal. But I think my problem when I first came to this album was I thought that it was perhaps a, a, a statement of we've all been through this, we all know how it feels, um, we're unified by this, and and you know this this might help that process. But that's the wrong way to look at it, and it took me a, a really, really long time to to get the the way that this song was looking at grief and, and looking at death. As I, as I say, this song, this album was in my life for months, and it's been in my my life for years now. Uh, and and I think it's a very personal. It's Tim Booth's own experience of that and the contradictory of the you know the mundane the dad's off on tour in a meeting and the cosmic of were, were particles of dust and, and stars and it's it's it basically reads to me now like uh like a, an inner an inner what's the inner monologue is that the word yeah like a like a sort of an insight into someone's conversation with themselves yeah, into his self-conscious. Yeah, um, that that's the way I view this song now, and it's it's it, it just it it gets to you in places that you don't expect when you when you view it like. I'd definitely say the album to me makes a bit made a bit more sense when I read that it was to do with the passing of his mother and apparently his best friend around about the same kind of time, because that obviously would have a big impact. But I I also don't feel like the album. 
or any album has to be tied to those events but it, it, a lot of the songs seem to make a bit more sense when a when a when you take that into account but also other songs like the next one don't really seem to have much to do with that at all so i don't think it should be taken um, as an album that's like a concept album that is you know this is my grief album and it has to all be about that yeah well tim booth says um although the record is very uplifting uh, death is very much the defining theme um regarding this song which and it might have been the album actually but uh i found that re- that really interesting that there can be uh an uh, you know an uplifting uh result from uh, from the grieving process or yeah. you know the life cycle which is which is just really nice i do need to ask you johnny how are you coping with the brass it's uh, I don't hate brass completely. I, I think brass can be excellent when it's used well. Um, I mean, just look back to Born of Frustration, which I'll mention yet again, and the brass on that is fantastic. I, I tell you, I, I have no problem with the brass on this album. I think it's I think it's really well judged, and it never got to me. I think it's only the certain parts of Rattling Hum where it just hits me a bit too hard. I think chill chill out a little bit. The, the thing that actually does annoy me every time i listen to this song and this does occur elsewhere on the album there's just sort of a silly lyric or two that i think give that one more pass and make it a bit better so for example when he says ooby doo or booby doo i just think that's stupid and i know you could make I, an I... argument for it because it's all about the mundanity of life you know it walk like you taught you expectations of conformity so you could say well that phrase ooby doo or booby doo is someone mocking the conformity of society but it's still in the song and it still sounds bad every time in my opinion i i've 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 gone around this so many times you know where i think initially i I felt like uh i wish they'd have come up with something better uh or or they'd, they'd found a line but it's it's about like just you know that particularly that lyric in uh, just before it, it's about uh, following what came before yeah, you and, and, and not asking any questions. Yeah, but about conformity and like so maybe it's like well if this is what people used to do and 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 you you know my feelings about forties and fifties music um, before the Beatles and Bob Dylan turned up. Uh, I'm a pink toothbrush. You're a blue toothbrush. Uh, I, I was I was walking down uh, the street before, and the pavement almost slipped beneath my feet before something like that. I, I can't I, I can't remember, but it was just the music was just awful. The lyrics were terrible, and and an ooby doo just kind of fits in with that kind of early rock and roll. It, it does, stuff. yeah. We don't really know what to we don't really know what to sing. So I, I I've kind of I don't know where I am right now, but I know I've been around it a few times. You can make an argument for it. I get that, but I also don't like it. So I get it, but I don't like it. I, I really, I really like the line "shoot yourself with a ricochet." I always enjoy that line um, in this song. Yeah, I mean, it, by the end though, it, it builds and progresses so sonically. Yeah, it's it's great. And it, it, it's it, it to me, it's just a battle of like human emotion and human sense or knowledge or intelligence, something like it's, that. It's definitely a starter it, track as well. It encapsulates, it does what a good starter track is, which is it intrigues you and it sums up all the big themes of the album and also introduces you and says, and says, right, get into this now. Get in, these are the themes. This is our stand. This is what we're selling. Enjoy. And it definitely does that. Yeah. 
I, I, it's, I think it's about this track particularly is about trying to find the right balance for go, when you're going through an when you're going through an emotional something in life and it's complexities like that in within a song that really made me a, a fan of James. Yeah, no complaints here. Cool. You ready to move on to track two? Yeah, curse, curse. Um, this one is well, it's four minutes twenty nine seconds. And I've written here that this is the obvious banger, quote-unquote, single. So in the same way that if you were to look at How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, you would say, well, Vertigo is the obvious single. That's the the big upfront single. This is the same same sort of thing here. This is one of the ones that, as I mentioned, I've been running to this album, and it fits in very well in that context. It's so upbeat, and it's got a, a very EDM-inflected sound. And you certainly can't accuse me of being one note on this album. There are a lot of a lot of different styles. And I wasn't expecting this from the authors of Sit Down. <laughs> um yeah. Um obviously a track that I, I warmed to pretty quickly. Should just uh mention for those keeping the score at home, this was the third single released on the twenty fifth of August two thousand and fourteen. Um but yeah, I think this is one of those James anthems and and, and it's interesting that you mentioned Sit Down. But I think this is one of those songs written for that festival crowd yeah. who were just looking to have a good time. Um, and my only problem with it is I think it would have been huge 10 years earlier. Yeah, it's I think it's got it, that kind of instantly sing-alongable lyric in it about the whole the tequila thing, which even if you'd never heard this song before, if you were you know a bit a bit far gone at a festival you'd be bouncing up and up and down and you know craving more tequila and singing along with it it's so easy to sing along with isn't it uh, yeah well i had a very drunken night in wigan uh when i was very in love with this album uh where i i, I thought it'd be really good to have a shot of tequila in every pub i went to or every bar i went to every did club. you request this song and, uh, no but I, I i think i sung it at several misfortuned uh, members of bar, of bar staff and it's the only night in my life where I have successfully knocked myself out with a lamppost <laughs> so um, I woke I woke up a little later with a, a sore head uh, basically I was I was trying to get to the next the next pub and uh, well this 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 lamppost refused to move out the way and consider did it. I I know, yeah. but I think this song definitely sums up that. It's I think you could look at this if you were a bit prudish and say, "Well, this is an irresponsible drinking anthem," but it's called "Curse, Curse," <laughs> and the person in it doesn't seem like they're having the best time ever. It seems very knowingly self-destructive, doesn't it? And it ends up with yeah. with him alone in his bedroom, and it's all about it's that classic song and lots of poets and songwriters do this where they document them having a miserable time when other people are having a great time. It's kind of like we, what we said in the intro, you know, they, they have this habit of using very uh, bass or in the gutter lyrics. Basically this song is about two people shagging in the hotel room next, next door. Um, it's, it's, it's got those, those little, uh, points of human annoyances, uh, but it's often uh, often has comedic refrains within the song. Um, 
it's 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 a it's a much cleverer song than you than you'd initially give it credit mm-hmm. for. See, I, I actually don't think it's I think it's a stupider song than <laughs> you might give it credit for. <laughs> I mean, I I think also he. I think it's a deliberate self-reference when he says someone's getting laid. It's it's that uh, remember that song we did that one, and I mean there's he actually spoke about this when he was talking about this song. So if you bear with me, I'll read out what what Tim Booth said about this. He says um, you can't write a funny lyric or a comedy lyric because you can only hear that three or four times and then you're done with it. Wit is a different thing. Only a few people can pull that off, you know. Pulp's common people. That's a great song. So he's giving this idea of there's only a few actual funny songs out there. I mean, something, even something that at the time I enjoyed, like Tribute, you can only listen to that a few times if you're not a teenager and think that's actually funny. And I don't think this is a witty song. Common People is a witty song. It's got a real subtlety to it. Whereas this is a good song, but it is not subtle. Well, I can see... The, the thing The thing that's good about Pulp, uh, specifically Common People and Disco 2000, is you can see yourself within that main character yeah. in the song. And for me, with Curse Curse... I can see myself as that main character in the song. It it, it rings true to me on a on a certain yeah. level. Um, so that's that. It, it's not got old for me, and it's still a pleasure to hear. And I really like. I really still like hearing the song. I think I just don't like. I think the verses are a bit too obvious. Whereas I I do really like the the post chorus or whatever it is where he's saying alone in my bedroom. I prowl the walls, create shadows. I think that's much better because I prowl the walls. You get this idea of well, he's not actually like spider-man going across the the walls it's that idea of he's alone in his bedroom and that frustration and you can imagine someone with that sort of drunk jerky motion that you end up with when he's agitated and frustrated and moving around his room and maybe dancing a bit as 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 he is wont to do that's more interesting to me this idea of a, a drunk angry person who's just so frustrated and at the end of the tether rather than Someone's getting laid next door, you know, which is just a bit. All uh, right, fine. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I do like it. It ends very abruptly. Is the only other thing I have to say about it. Um, it sounds like it's going to yeah, kink I was again. If you'd bring this, it up. sounds like it's going to go right back in. But I, I also think, you know, the old adage is true: leave them all wanting more, or less. In your case, just no, just more subtle. That's all. But then again, if if the song is it's clear what the song's about in the first 10 seconds of the lyrics starting so fair enough not complaining yeah some someone shagging in the hotel room next you're door. putting this very very delicately it's meant to be a family show shag's not that bad is it well let's just repeat it 10 more oh, times shall we uh moving on <laughs> and it's track three yeah moving on uh four 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 minutes 44 seconds mm-hmm. Um, I do like that when that happens um, so second single released on the 28th of April 2014 uh, um, I initially really didn't like the opening slash conclusion to this song because there's a there's a little um, whammy bard note that goes blah, blah, like it's the, where they use a little bit of a tremolo effect on it and I thought, oh, that sounds awful. I really don't like that. But this has been a real slow burner for me as a song. And once the melodies and the synths kick in and you hit the one minute mark, 
I thought, actually, I'm sold on this in a way that I really haven't been on the other songs. And I, I think this is this is so heartfelt and fantastic. And I actually now do like yeah. the opening and the conclusion. The other two songs, I thought, okay, good songs. They've got different sections to them that are all interesting and engaging. The other one's a bit EDM-ish. It's got lots of energy. But this is a song that I actually am going to come back to. And I just love the the little light melodies that the synth are doing. You know, the and the way that's pushing against his lyrics, which seem a lot less forced this time. Yeah, you really get a, a sense of the the ensemble piece, yeah. don't you? Yeah, definitely. You you focus um, on more than it's just one him. of the few songs. What do you, you focus on more than just him, which is important. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the few songs that was at least started before the death of Tim's mother. That's interesting. Cause it seems one um, of the most intimately connected with it. I think it was. So I th- I think and I don't know a lot about this, but I think from what I've read, she was very ill for a long time. Oh, I see. So it's like the start and, of that process. Yeah, and and the end may have been in sight. Okay. Uh, so I I think it, I think it's one of one of those. Uh, but the first thing that really got me about this is that metallic sounding bass. At the you mean at the at the sort of start. Yeah, yeah. It kind of goes throughout though. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess... Wait, do you mean the kind of... Do, 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 well, the bass, do. the only bass, the only bass in the... It sounds very metallic. I, I, I know, to be honest, I noticed that more in the next song that I thought it was a lot more striking in the next song. I think I was more... It's To me, the synthesizers are stuff that really gets me on this, but I like the driving rhythm that this song has when it gets up and going, so the bass must be part of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have many notes on, on moving on, but I just I, I got to the chorus and I just thought, God, James is so good at choruses. That bit of the song where everybody in a live setting is going to sing yep. along, you know, and, and it's an easy hook. Well, it's just such a gift. And that. to me, that seemed that seemed one of the times where I thought, oh, I thought Tyler, I, I realized maybe maybe this isn't what you were going for, but it seemed natural that you would recommend this album to me based on our obvious, you know, love of you too, because. That whole leave a little light on thing seemed very Bono-ish, and it, both in the melody yeah. and the way it's expressed, and also the fact that they have little lights in the most recent shows. Um, I think you mean Depeche Mode. No, I mean both. Oh right, yeah, because right. <laughs> of the theft. Um, the you too, you Robin bastards. <laughs> Don't know how many people that's going to offend. Um, on the on the the lyrics though to this, I thought were really nice. So. And considering I've, I've not the lyrics for being a, not as subtle, he says here, Time's always unwinding all these deadlines in my mind. Seeds and dreams we've planted, took for granted, didn't prove. I, I really like that. I think I think these are, I think he's better when he's more, much more subtle, but then it is difficult sometimes to hit that balance between hitting the connection of, okay, what do you mean? And let's leave something ambiguous and use some lines that maybe pull people into a more dreamy or um, symbolic realm. But I just I really like seeds and dreams we've planted, and maybe that's something that they keep coming back to that satisfies me on this album. We had, you know, we're made of stars, we're made of dirt, we're made of dreams, we're made of seeds. They are both things that you can plant, although one's very earthy and one's very starry and gazy, you know. So I, I like that, and I think that, that adds to this I, album. And all of that is taking the human out of it taking the human out of the equation uh yeah to an extent i mean yeah i mean as long as it's as long as it's the earthly is kept in there that's that's fine we're, we're anything but man-made 
is what I take from this. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, like synthetic. Yeah. And this feels very honest as a as a song. If you look at any of the live versions that are on YouTube, there's a lot of very heartfelt comments. And it was only when I looked at a live version and, and took on the emotion, I thought, oh, this isn't just a little fun pop song that has got beautiful melodies and good instrumentation and production. It's actually, you see a lot of people probably do use this song to process the the grief and i don't think i'm reaching there because that's the sorts of comments that you get on the live version of, of this of this song so if james were going to get me it's on this track that's really interesting that's really interesting and i couldn't I couldn't have predicted that either um right shall we move on to track yeah. four gone baby gone okay so gone baby gone five minutes 13 seconds uh, I would describe this as the first musical shift on the album, uh, and I thought this would be a good litmus test for you, Johnny. Um, I, I've put here, you'll either love or hate this, I wager. Um, mm. So, yeah, I can't decide where you're going to fall on this, especially after moving on, where, where you just shocked me. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I hated the first two lines i actually audibly sighed i remember listening to this the first time and you, you the bass comes in which is fine you don't 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 and that's that's fine that's a nice hook and then she walked out the door the china is smashed on the floor that's a, a, a series of lyrics that I, if i would say that is a first draft that has never been gone back to i mean i just feel like this this from a man who likes the ramones yeah but, but the ramones make a talent of being stupid and having like quote-unquote dumb lyrics I mean, so why so why is Tim Booth not allowed to have a dumb it's all, then? What's it's the all difference? about context. When the Ramones sing first, sorry, second verse, same as the first, that's audaciously stupid in a way that goes through the sort of like, hang on, you actually need to write some lyrics here. Whereas this, he's singing it with conviction. I think she walked out the door, the china is smashed on the floor. It just feels like you could have predicted that lyric coming up. Well, so after the first two lyrics... <laughs> then, then it gets good. Um, I, the, actually, this is one that I, I did actually like, So, but you'll be happy to know I did actually... I do like this song, and I think it's it's good and it's catchy. Although, um, Greg Weatherall... I've not listened, looked at many critical critical reviews, but I thought this was interesting. Um, they've said that this is a Gone Baby Gone boasts an ill-judged chorus, one that sounds like a late 90s pop disco hoedown. All that's missing are braces and cowboy boots. And I kind of understood what they meant, that sort of Cotton Eye Joe feel to it after I'd heard it. But this is catchy as hell, and you can't really argue with that. Yeah, it is catchy as hell. Uh, what do you think of the uh, blah, 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 love, 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 uh, That love. was another eye-rolling yeah. bit, and I think this goes back to the ooby-doo bit. You could make an argument that he's doing something interesting there talking about how love often in pop songs gets reduced to something that a platitude that's just you know repeated love love blah 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 it's the same thing when you come down to it at the end of the day but i don't like it i find it so entertaining and it's rare that on an album i.e uh, a non-visual medium you you get this sense of a front man yeah and, I, and that's what i do I see I him performing he's, this he's willing yeah, there's 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 huge discussions and themes on this album, life changing themes, and then when you can throw in something like uh, blah 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 love 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 into a song, 
And it doesn't seem that uh, that stupid for me. I kind of, I, I really like it, and it it shows me a bit of the personality. And this is a personal story. If we're being told a story, all oh, it's a personal story about Tim Booth's journey through grief. Um, so to get to see the the personality, and maybe he's bored of feeling like this, and maybe he just wants to say blah 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 to how he's feeling. I kind of, I really like that. Yeah, I, I, I imagine I could listen to this album a bit more, and then a couple of years down the line, starting to love the blah blah thing. But it just, it made me roll my eyes the first time I heard it, and I've still not got past that. I, w- I will say though that the the lines after the whole door floor thing, I think, are actually really good. So he says a five year relationship takes two to recover from. Um, probably, probably quite true in a lot of ways that. And also, tell me how long your heart will hold on. I think that that works well that is decent command of of these very difficult ideas and it's really underscored by the way the guitar comes in just after that i love the guitar on this song both the yeah. delicate bits and this the, and the, the you know the bit where he goes like you know the strong bits I, I think there's a nice variety which is which is great it's it's one of those songs that i think sneaks into your brain and stays there. it's definitely set up shop you- in my brain <laughs> yeah um and and that synth in the is 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 great uh it's it's kind of i've described it as a, a robotic emotional heartbeat mm. um Not... and and i've this is the only track on well the first track on the album that i've mentioned the producer max dingle who's worked with the killers and white lies and i and i do see elements of those two bands beginning to you know work their way in yeah uh, throughout the rest of the album. Although I now that that pop hoedown thing has been mentioned, I ca- I can't sort of I can't get away from the braces and cowboy boots. I don't care, and but and I. I mean, you you mentioned that. You you meant you did. Well, that. no, a critic mentioned it, and now I, I really do see where it, what they mean. Yeah, but you brought it onto the podcast, didn't and you? I've mentioned it twice now. So apologies yeah. to any any James fans. I assume my opinion doesn't really count for much anyway. To be honest. Track 5, Frozen Britain, 3 minutes, 25 seconds. It was the first single released on the 24th of February, 2014. One thing that was strange about this was after four relatively upbeat, definitely very melodic songs, I was not expecting track 5 to be a single or anything like a single. I thought, okay, track 5, Frozen Britain, maybe this will be where things slow down a bit or maybe this will be a weepy song, but... No, this uh, this sort of comes out of nowhere yeah, for me. Yeah, it's, it's a great feel-good single, I think. It just surprised me that they they this at this point in the album it, they're still pushing forward with something that's very melodic, and all this all of this track seemed from the guitar riff to the twinned bass line and melody in the in the chorus. You know the do 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 do. It all feels very familiar to me i don't know if you had any earworms that you thought hang on that sounds a bit like this or that the closest thing i've been able to get by the way to the the first guitar riff is you know u2's cover of paint it black by the stones (laughs) yeah if you just listen to i mean this might be something that only i can hear with my crazy way of listening to things but if you play that and then play the james song when the guitar comes in next to each other for some reason they're bouncing off in my head but i'm not suggesting for a second that it's a rip-off in any sort of way no um i've not made that that connection well it's a skill to be able to write a song that 
different parts of it feel oh this i've heard this before somewhere it's familiar i think that's it it's definitely a, a strength and it's a good song it's very catchy yeah uh it, it is um le petit more more toujours means uh the little death forever mm-hmm. uh forgive my french um my english is burly up to scratch say oh, parfait is what i think tyler I don't know what you just said there. I said the, it was. Uh, I said it was perfect. It was lovely. Did you? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to undermine you via another language. I was just, just being lighthearted. Uh, fair enough. Um, I, I just my only crit, uh, my only comment for this song is I want to see it live. I just. I mean, that's your that's fault, all, not the song's fault. I, I know it is my fault. It's it's my fault for being slow on the uptake with the album. I also wasn't aware that he said bones, bones, bones. I thought he said boom, 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 as in, no, you know, he, I, I want you in my room. Bone, I think he says bone, 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 bone. Hang on. It's three bones and then a bones. Yeah. And I think this, without putting too fine a point on it, is where there is a there's a real skill in this song for double meaning. I mean, obviously, the Petit Moore has got lots of different meanings, which we don't need to go into the... The intricacies of um but but we we have here also that idea of love and death where bone obviously takes on different meanings here especially when the the chorus is emily come to bed so i think this is a, <laughs> a, a good song in getting across the album's preoccupation with love and sexuality and death all at the same time and making a, a crackingly catchy song at the yeah. same time it's um and it's one of those. It, I, I think you know it's it's definitely a deep cut, despite being a single. If you were talking to some uh, some more you know weathered James fans, and you said, "Oh well, Frozen Britain's one of my favourite songs," they they would look at you with a you know a certain oh well this you know this guy's obviously listened to some of the the deeper cuts, which which I like and uh, I suppose would help me if I ever talked to uh, ardent James fans. I'm wondering, just off the top of my head, how well this song performed and if it actually got much airplay. I mean, when I'm hovering over it on um, on Wikipedia, it's not coming up with you know another link that says how well it is. I definitely had never heard it before, but it is very it is very catchy. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna go to the official charts dot com. Uh, and see if I can find it. They oh, this is this is awful. Uh, zero number ones, four UK top tens, uh, nineteen UK top forties, twenty one UK top seventy fives, zero weeks at number one, obviously, ten weeks in the top ten, fifty two weeks in the top forty, and ninety weeks in the top seventy five. This is for James overall. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we can we can confidently say that Frozen Britain didn't trouble the top ten then. Uh, this is good radio. Apparently not. No. Okay. Well, I mean, well, the la- apparently, apparently, the last thing that ever charted for them was getting away with it all messed up, which peaked at twenty two. And I guess the thing is, it's not really the song's fault there because we're dealing with a different time aren't we by that point and charts being very very different it just makes me angry at the charts like that that feature although i do like do you know doing my dale winton impression 
Um, because he was the one that did the chart show when I when I used to listen to Radio Two. I was going to say um, if that was an impression, I, I wasn't aware it was, but, <laughs> but yeah, fine, carry on, go on. Um, I, I, it just makes me angry at, at the great music that doesn't get recognised in the charts, and 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 it it's kind of made me think that number ones are meaningless because yeah, they are. They're totally the, meaningless. The tripe that gets to number one, it's more to it's more to do with the amount of money you put into. Uh, promotion well, than anything and, else, and the you know the is this song controversial for some way, or does it have a video that's particularly meme worthy? Or yeah, there's a, there's a, a raft of reasons why it's kind of garbage. But I also don't feel like we should come across as as old people saying, oh, these kids with the Spotify, because I mean that's how we consume no, but Johnny, our music. When, when Johnny, when this came out, we weren't old people. We we were the tight demographic because we had some money to spend. We were students. Uh, we were the kind of people that they wanted to wanted to go down to HMV and buy the record, well, or I didn't, to, I didn't... to go online and to download the record. We were the tight demographic. Well, target missed. Exactly. But it's look. I like it now. It's a great song now. I, w- I won't. I won't not sing the praises of this song now. I think it's. I think it's great. I think the lyrics are, like I said, they intertwine those ideas of of love and death in a really effective yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the interrogation, though, mate. Is is that your cue that we're going to move on to the next? Well, we song? might as well. It's a good link, isn't it? Well, I don't know about good, but it's a link, and <laughs> uh, and here we are with interrogation. I think this is actually a song I, I, I think is even better than than the last one. The last one's a good solid pop song. This to me is one that's definitely grown on me, and he has very weird, very weird melodic choices that put me off a little bit, but intrigue me the more I listen to it. So when he's saying lines like "scrape the blade under my jaw," where I have caught myself before, if you gave that music and those lyrics to a hundred singers, they wouldn't put the kind of inflections, the up and down bits that he has on those lines, and I think that's just really really confident and distinctive lyrical choices that he's doing you know what i mean the scrape the blade and the map yeah it's like it's so weird yeah i mean you did it kind of uh like oh what they called now oh they did city of angels are you talking about i don't know like a, a city of angels oh no what they called charlie's angels no um, you're my destiny's child uh, are you saying i'm no, the new beyonce so, you know, you you you, sit, you sang that lyric then a bit like System of a Down. <laughs> That's what right, I was thinking. Okay. Of. Well, we were they definitely didn't do on... City of Angels. They did some something similar. We were definitely you mean toxicity. Something like that. Yeah, it was never in my really in my wheelhouse. That I I I, I like System of a Down thoroughly. I mean, I listen, I've listened to more System of a Down albums than I have James albums. I reckon I could do a Slipknot version. Of, of I mean, those lyrics, I mean, I mean, please don't. Scrape the blade under my jaw, where I have caught myself before. Yeah, all we need now are two two lunatics bashing the heads against dustbins, and we've got a, a fantastic band. <laughs> are, you, are your parents busy? <laughs> well, I mean, I think Slipknot were one of those bands that my parents would have been if they'd have heard me listening to that when I was growing up. I mean, they already cast a cast a, a a look askance at things like Papa Roach and Linkin Park and Limp Biscuit, so they certainly wouldn't have endorsed uh, the the kind of dirge that Slipknot were putting out. I feel like we're we're drifting away too far from James here. Yeah, okay. Uh interrogation. I think we get 
really into thick emotional depth at this point in the album. I think it plummets uh, to not a new low, but it's to new insights and it, almost like a forensic look into the heart of or, or the mind of of someone suffering loss. Uh, and again, it's it's set against that chaotic sonic wall that the ensemble band can can produce. Um, there, there's a few great um, acoustic versions or in studio versions on YouTube, uh, which I encourage you to to go and to go and listen to. I, I will do, um, but I will say I I think that the strength of this song is not just those self-interrogatory lyrics, but also the fact that when you get to around about the three minute mark or so the build-up of the, all the instruments and the production really pays off and there's a there's a real a wash of synthesizer and then the way that he he sings um the way that he sings you know the liars lies and self-deceit that really that really pays off i think i think that might the synthesizer in terms of production might be max dingle's touches because it is reminiscent of those artists that he's worked with before and yeah and sometimes sometimes how uh, the killers uh more more specifically than than white lies although i you know i really enjoy white lies white lies um, have got very very strong synth game on the on the dingle produced albums is all i'll say yeah it, it, the, the synth can be used to really emphasize a point uh, or a line or a lyric and and I think it, that really comes through strongly on this album and, I, and I, it's strange for me to listen to something and go oh that's definitely uh, a you know a producer's touch of that that's not just a player and a keyboard or a synth that's that's sounds that way because it's been produced that way by this guy it's strange for me to think like that but I definitely thought that going through the album this time around yeah, I think it hangs together, and it sounds like it's been arranged in a nice way. I mean, whether it's the whose actual, you know, credit for want of a better word, this is, I don't know, but it definitely sounds like it's been arranged well. And I think, considering how distinctive Tim's voice is, they've done a really good job of of letting it bounce against different instruments in a way that actually works, because he never stays particularly still he moves to different registers has different tones and it's it's definitely a strength of the band that his voice is so intriguing because at first you you kind of feel hmm that's a bit weird and then you get want to know a little bit more about it you know it's it's certainly not vanilla it's certainly not no and i and i did read some reviews of this song where uh, it, it it was accused of being bloated and overly long, but I I think when Tim has finished singing, that is the band's time to shine, because it's not just about Tim; it is about James, the entire band. Um, so and I, again, I'll say it: if I if I was watching it live and that band just went into this incredible huge breakdown, I would be all over it. Yeah, I think it would it would stand out and if you were it'd be one of those songs that if you were going to the tour you'd think, Oh, I really hope they pull that one out of the bag. Because you wouldn't be sure yeah. it would be there, but you'd think, well, if it is, then fantastic. Right then. Uh number seven, bit of virtue, three minutes forty five seconds. Yeah, I wasn't a I wasn't a huge fan of this one initially. I felt that the the verses seemed a little bit affected and arch in the way that he was singing them. But once the the it's always the melodies that get you. This is such a strong melodic album, and you'd be you'd 
be within your rights, really, if you were James, to to not put the focus on melody so much after you've had so many clearly, you know, single-worthy songs as this album's got so far. But when he starts singing about a bit of virtue, I'd rather live in sin. I really, I really like that. the The melody got me, and I also I like any song that that seems to flag up a sense of hypocrisy. And and to me, this song is all about, and the the chorus in particular is, well if you are being virtuous, if that's your idea of being virtuous, then I'd rather live in sin, you know, rather than, I'd rather be joyfully living in sin rather than you who's pretending to deny yourself things, but you're actually getting a kind of pleasure from your suffering. As he says, there's there's pleasure in your suffering. And that's what I got from this. It actually brought me weirdly back to some of the themes from, from Depeche Mode last time. Um, but maybe I'm just in that frame of mind. Yeah, this is a very... Um familiar theme for james uh it, it's like it's it's almost the the condemnation of um oppressive morality um so it, i suppose it, it is a bit of a trope of the band but the the lyrics are fantastic it, like they really do read well yeah i think these are these are stronger than um and i, I think also just to be able to put to put together two words that really instantly sum up the theme of that song bitter virtue they 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 sit together really well on the on the page and sound beautiful together so i i think that's a real skill and this is a good song because of it yeah they play really well with contradictions uh all all, all the time and and i want to dance that i wanted to slow dance to this song um with with someone anyone uh i did ask a few people that were walking past the house but they were uh, all, all, all busy. Apparently, There's a lot of tragedy with you and James. You're either like off your face out in the middle of town, bashing your head into <laughs> lampposts, or just going like, "Anyone, anyone fancy a dance? You, you, any, anyone?" No, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's four o'clock on a on a Thursday afternoon. Who who wouldn't want a slow dance <laughs> uh, in the street? Well, what a surprise at the result. Um, but I'd say this song is a result for James. It's a good. It's a good. A good good song and I, I think it is impressive i always expect maybe i've just got low opinions of, of of bands these days but i always expect it to be a bit of a falling off towards the end of an album but this is it keeps the the standard strong and i like the fact that they've slipped from a singles gear into a nice deep cut gear where there is there's there's things to be mined and enjoyed later on hmm oh that's a good track that's a good track well i, I actually just, uh, I, oh sorry go on no, I just I just want to go and listen to the album. Yeah, <laughs> Finish reviewing just, it, yeah. I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it so much over the last week or so. Well, I've enjoyed it a lot um, more than I expected. And this next one here, um, all in my mind, this is actually one of the real highlights of the album to me. I, I, I really like the chorus and the meaning of A Bit of Virtue, but I didn't particularly like the verses. Whereas this one, as soon as that piano comes in, it almost woke me up a little bit because a bit of virtue is a bit more subdued i love the confidence of that little piano part that's at the start and then when the synth swells and sort of washes over you i I got goosebumps for the first time on this on this album i really really enjoyed the decisions they made when he starts singing bring out your dead it's just brilliant do you know what when when on a 10 track album when bit of virtue comes in and it's it's somewhat slower paced and and, and quieter um, you you think oh well you know that's it you know the bangers are gone but like track eight comes around and you're just like 
wow yeah they, they, they they're not done and uh it only it only progresses that feeling and that 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 party spirit it's it is such a great uplifting album but yeah. uh yeah all, all in my mind um kind of ruined for me oh. because uh because of the uh bring out your dead lyric i love that line and it's all monty python's fault <laughs> all right but I, I do think tim booth has done done that on purpose because if we if we take the lyrics from the first verse uh, what was said to, to get along did not express the point of the dart. What confessed that then denied some things I must hide to fall in love with you. I don't think that's the lyric. I think the, the website I looked at is, is wrong uh, uh, for that last line. But I, I think he's kind of hiding behind the bring out your deadline. Like so, some things I must hide. So I think this is maybe the the most raw song on the album, or the or the most the closest to his heart, or the closest to who he really is. But he's he's telling us he must hide, and therefore that Monty Python line, he's hiding. Uh, it's, it's it's an artifice for him to hide behind, so he's not completely nude out there. You think he's consciously hiding behind Monty Python? Uh, I that's the excuse I would like to make for the track. And and the lyricist, um, but you know I'm a complete Monty Python nerd. And if you're gonna if you're gonna have a have a, have a lyric like "Bring out your dead, bring out your dead," Jesus, I'm gonna have then, to then I'm gonna have to lower that in in post. Would you like me to do it again quieter? No, I'll I'll just I'll just I'll just do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to hear it again. Bring out your dead, bring out your dead. Yeah, yeah, as tedious and scratchy as uh, Terry was originally on that. I mean, I, I like Terry um, Jones a lot, but he, he he occasionally was too shrill to handle. Oh, I don't know what you mean about that, my lad. Just, just no, awful. Um, I like it. I think it's good. I I I like that um, line. I also like the dead don't stay dead. They're sleeping. Sharpen up your steak. And what I, what I like about that is it is a bit tongue in cheek. Sharpen up your steak, as in the idea that you're going to go out and kill the dead, like they're on the the living in a supernatural form. But I, I like that it, it, it walks this line between when he says the dead don't stay dead, it's that it's I mean, occasionally that can be a really soppy thing of, oh, the dead aren't really dead, little Jimmy, they're living in here. But also that is kind of true. That the dead, even if you don't believe in an afterlife, they they stay with you, you know. And I think this album, regardless of your spirituality, does take a, a very frank look at grief and death and the fact that it's part of life. It's something that happens. So you can't run away from it. So you may as well sing about it. Yeah, and 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 that's like the whole album, isn't it? That that's yeah. the message of the whole album. This is this is a journey of going through something that you have to go through, mm. but there's no guidebook. Like and 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 going back to the way I I was trying to approach the album six years ago. It's like oh this this might be. Uh, like a, a, an idiot's guide to grief, or you know, death for dummies, or you know, something like that. Just it might it might be something that, that help that will help me through through something. But that it's not that's not the purpose of the album. The purpose of the album is to go. Do you know what? I'm here too. You're not alone. Yeah. And other people have have been through that. And and and, and there are so many uplifting, life affirming songs and messages on this album 
that it, it just once you get it and once you're on that that the same mindset, I, I don't know how this can't be one of your favorite albums. Um, well, it wouldn't make my top ten, but I'm but I've enjoyed listening to it. And no, 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 but you've listened to it for a month. Well, I mean, I'll, <laughs> so, I'll let you, know. you, I'll let you, I'll keep you updated on how it progresses. But it's certainly a lot better than my received opinion of James as just oh yeah they wrote these few particular very catchy 90s songs right so so i i've been on this journey with james for six years you 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 for a month or so right um and 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 i seem to have this theme with the bands that i like like arcade fire um uh, like like james and and other other uh, other bands how would they not the biggest thing on the planet i don't understand how they're not bigger there's just there's not room in the public consciousness for that many people like i'm i'm annoyed that that mew aren't huge but no one yeah, cares yeah. about them i'm annoyed that i'm even annoyed that like a band like a swedish band like kent who i like a lot and think of fantastic never broke through in the uk whatsoever so you just gotta gotta deal with it i mean get rid of Ed Sheeran and maybe there'll be some room in the charts. I, you know what? I don't hate, I don't mind Ed Sheeran. He, he's, he's, he's not my favourite artist, but I'd rather him be in that position than, than someone else. I, I, I think he's, he's very good at what he does, but I don't like any of it. <laughs> so more power to him, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not a fan of this. I hope he puts that on the next, like, poster. <laughs> What, quote Johnny Johnny from Review, Review 2. Review 2. Fine. He's very good at what he does, but I'm not a fan of any of it. Yeah, well. Four stars. Um, so this is interesting as well because the, the, the song ends. Every time I've listened to this song, I've had to check my spotify players and think oh is that is that the end of the song or is it another part another section of it but the way it flows into quick and the dead is it's like a two-part song it's almost like part one part two really mm. um so i don't really have much more to say about it apart from the fact that i'm not i'm not sure how necessary quick and the dead is it's it's nice but i don't have very much to say about it well what did you uh, what quick can i just ask you a question about all in my mind yeah sure um, so when he when he's going one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand four, what do you think of that lyrically? Um, I was wondering because there's a lot of allusions to people coming back from the dead or or you know this supernatural thing, and then he says uh, thrice denied. I mean, I'm I'm picking up my religious references here and thinking, is this some sort of religious thing where he's going back to you know one one thousand two one thousand and then it's gonna be like you know and we're at the cave door where jesus is but no he keeps going that's interesting so i've, I've no idea what the five thousand is a reference to i'm sure that there's james fans who can tell me um no i i think it's i think it, you, you've overthought that uh because oh, it's 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 and that's not that you know that it's there to be overthought um and, and you've done admirably oh cheers <laughs> The crescendo of that is uh, count and turn away. It's like, and when someone counts and turns away, it's so that they can't see where you're hiding. Oh yeah, it's a hide and seek thing, isn't it? Yeah, and five, five um, seconds is not very much to hide, though. And for me, that just backed up uh, the Monty Python um, point. Oh, the Jesus. hiding, the hiding behind uh, these popular catchphrases. Like bring out your dead, 
and um, and the, the it, I, it's all about concealment. So this should be called and, James Le Moore brackets the Holy Grail as written by Monty Python. <laughs> if you want, yeah. No, that's what you want because you've got this crazy theory about it. It's not a theory. It's the. It's right in front of you. Well, update it on the Wikipedia, and I'm sure, I'm sure that'll stay up for a long time. <laughs> right. Okay. So nine. Quick and the dead. Two minutes thirty-eight seconds. Barely worth bothering, if you ask me. Well, like I said, it feels like a, an extended section of the of the last song, almost as if they thought, well, let's let's put this on another track to make sure we've got 10 tracks for symmetry's sake, you know, rather than uh, leave it as just a part of track eight. I, I like it. It sounds a bit like a, um, a Clint Eastwood film, Quicken the Dead. Yeah. What, what does Quicken the Dead mean? Well, you, you, it's your album. This You should have done the research. No, but you're, you're, I, 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 I begrudge saying this to you, but you're better at, at English lit and um, <laughs> stuff like that. Quick and the Dead, I can't quite suss out the, the, the meaning of that. Um, it's in the title, not the song, just the, the title. What does that say to you? Well, I think, I mean, looking on one of the many lyric sites that um, that discusses this, I thought there was something about what it meant to quicken the dead. Why don't you use Phil for a second and I'll, I'll try and do some on-the-hoof research. It kind of it kind of fits because, uh, as I've said, that I've, I've 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 had this album in my life for quite a long time, and it's interesting for me that I still haven't found the meaning for this song yet. Um, I know I will one day, but right now I haven't, and that is to me a great gift when you you finding or discovering an album because. It's something that you can come back to. It's not just in your life for forty-five minutes. It's in your it's in your life for years, decades, a lifetime, perhaps. Um, it's a it's a fantastic piece of music, and, and when that piano and the trumpet combo comes in right at the start, it's just oh, it's so good, um, and, and seems so necessary at the time. I do, Go on, I, I do have some little bit of enlightenment on here, um, and I mean this is from uh, Peter Francis Joseph DeFazio. M A M M D I V, um, who seems to be someone who knows about scripture. So it definitely is the quick and the dead is definitely a reference from scripture. But apparently, quicken is an old English word that means enliven. The quickening of a human being is the point at which the human being receives a soul. So, ah. so there we go. So maybe that's what it's to do with. Um, but there is also the phrase "the quick and the dead" contrasts to the word. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've literally just put this into Google to have a look. But to... so it, it it could be a play on words, or yeah. it could be enliven the dead, which could be your, anything from to make your telling a story alive, about somebody that's passed away. To make your spirit alive, and I think that's that's that seems to fit with what's going on here. Right. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's also exactly the kind of thing that we could have done beforehand. But oh well, there we go. I understand the time. It's it's better to be doing it here now live um i understand the title a little bit more but I, 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 yeah as i was saying i don't know if i understand the song i've not found its meaning yet but i, I also think that a song like this as opposed to curse curse is not meant to be readily understandable i think by the time you get to the end of the album what i mean i keep saying tim i assume he's the main lyricist here what he's dealing it with are things that are beyond a simple 
look, this is how I'm feeling. He's probably using these songs to explore how he's feeling. Like he says in the first song, I can talk. I think he's talking to himself throughout a lot of this album, trying to find out how he reacts to death. Yeah, I, I get that. And uh, that's pretty much the uh, view I have of the album as well. Um, it definitely continues on the closer. Co- yeah, com- combined with him trying to make sense of it through human uh, science and knowledge hum- rather than intellect, I think. Human science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Okay, well... Um... All I'm saying is we should maybe wrap up this review by doing the last song. Okie doke. So this is track 10, final track, 4 minutes, 58 seconds, released on the 17th of November 2014. Uh, And, oh my God, that bass. As as that bass builds, it's it's just amazing. The whole track is amazing. Yeah, definitely. This we're definitely in the realm again of of more. Well, I would actually say EMD catchiness here. When you're saying "ride a wave, ride a wave," it's it's very very catchy, and it, the song is built up and now is moving in in more sort of pulsing wave like ways. Um, and I think I think this to me weirdly seems to be like the second part of the first song. We're back in a realm of rhythm and catchiness here, um, and also reflecting on the bigger questions. So um, when he says ride a wave, ride a wave from the birth to our grave, hard to trust, hard to trust to change. I like that because, it, you know, life is about change. Death is about change. But also I, th- I feel like it's him looking back. And many James fans might be able to say that's you totally got the wrong end of the stick there. But it seems like them looking back on all the work they've done in the, the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and saying... Uh, you know, it it is hard to trust to change. It's hard to trust to being a different type of band. But I mean, this is great. And and looking back on this album, I'd much rather review this album as I've said than one of the '90s ones because it's just more what I'm into. I I think sit with this for I I think naturally you'll you'll start to you know look back at other albums, and um, I've not been disappointed so far. There's always something. They're in, they're an interesting band, and because they've always seemingly always been under the radar, apart from maybe a couple of years in the nineties, mm. they uh, there's there's a lot that you can find, and it's almost like it's just yours, because there's no there's nobody else <laughs> you know talking about it. Well, yeah, and, uh, and and I mean I know I say this in some form every single every single episode of Tumble, but if you are a James fan and you've You've sat through. I mean, how you've done it is 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 applaudable. But if you've sat through me and Tyler bludgeon and and you know get our horrible, dirty, greasy fingers all over your favorite band, and we're coming from a, a place where we're obviously U two fans mainly, and we're trying to find things that we we like in other places, then well, I'm sorry that we've 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 done that. But I hope I hope you appreciate that we've been we've been really. I mean, Tyler loves this album, and I've enjoyed it a lot more than I've expected to. So, yeah. Apology um, there. I don't. I don't think we need to apologise. Like you know, music doesn't belong to anybody. Uh, <laughs> well, apart from the... I think there'll be some people on YouTube and some forums that will uh, disagree with you on that one. But yeah, yeah but I, once music, once, once, once music is in, uh, if you wrote a song, it belongs to you, in my opinion, right? But once you've put it out into the public, then it, it's allowed to become whatever 
whatever it becomes. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift. There's no control in that. Yeah, there's no tro- control in that. Well, I think that's true about and, any piece um, of art, really. You're not, and I, uh, that's why I also. Of course it is. I don't, I'm not really that interested when people say, no, actually, if you look on page 33 of whichever book, this person said this song's about that, so you're wrong. It's like, well, no, that's not how art works. <laughs> so shut up. No. So, um, yeah, I think this is a seriously good album, and it's an album that I'm still discovering. Uh, it's an album that is still welcome to uh, to to be played, and uh, anytime anytime I hear it, I, I I know I enjoy it, and I always listen to it in, in its entirety, which I'm kind of getting out the habit of doing that with a lot of things now. But with this album particularly, I definitely listen to it all the time, uh, in its entirety. Uh, do you feel the need to listen to any more James at the minute, Johnny? I, I want to stick with this for now, but I I. I mean, the thing is, if you'd asked me about two months ago, do you like James? I would say, not particularly. I know they've got some big songs. And if you'd brought up individual ones, I would have said, oh yeah, that's that's really catchy. And I don't I don't dislike them, but I have no interest in listen, no interest in really getting into them. Whereas I would say I could pay this album a very high compliment of saying it, it reminds me in places of Acton Baby, not just because it's it's got a, a cool cover, which is instantly recognisable, but it's about love and death and the dirt and starlight of being a human and that's that's great and i think that's that's uh, for me from my own humble experience that's a high compliment and i mean that might be a nice way to to wrap up my thoughts about this album by just quoting some of the lyrics from this song he says here i'm missing you we don't we don't know who that is whether it's his mom or his best friend or someone else entirely i'm missing you and your laugh that opened all the worlds to view we never said goodbye i'm dreaming of you in a multiverse of meaning fractal shards from a distant star and i think like you said before there's a real poetry to that which i'm sorry if i've been a bit mean about some of the lyrics before like the the china on the floor but this is great and it's it's very in-depth and i've enjoyed my experience with it so i'm going to stay here for a while but who knows maybe i will check out some other other albums well you have been a bit mean and your punishment is to sweep up all that china that's on the floor (laughs) it's not my fault and we never find out who the culprit is, really. No, uh, but you're cleaning it up. Uh, so, what is your sweetest thing? This is our favourite track. And what is your dirty day? That is our least favourite track. Well, my, my sweetest thing is moving on. I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm going to come back to that song a few times, I think. What's yours? Yeah, do you know, do you know what? I think Ding 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 this time... Uh, moving on really stuck out for me. Interrogation is uh, now. I'm, I'm going to go interrogation. Sorry, I've got to go interrogation this time. Yeah. Uh, and your least favorite track? Um, it's not so much my my least favorite. It's just it, I just don't think it's a hundred percent necessary, and that's Quicken the Dead. I just I don't need it on the album. If if someone said, "Oh, James decided to get rid of it," I'd be like, "Okay, fine." And that track is Quicken the Dead. Oh, have you said yeah, that? I said it, but I might have said it too too quickly itself. Yes, you might have done. Um, this time, I think Curse Curse gets my least favorite track, and I love that track. Um, that would be one I that I'd say was... would be really typically. Yeah, I can see you putting this on and like lining up all the tequila, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, God, he's, he's gone off on this, has he? Mind out for that lamppost, Tyler. Oh man, I bet that hurts so much. Luckily, I don't really remember it. 
Um, I think we actually heard the, uh, yeah. the glug of your bottle then. I presume that isn't tequila. That's something that's much more drink responsible. This is tiger beer. Oh, right. it's a lovely, lovely Indian tiger beer there. If, if they're interested in sending us to tiger is Indian, isn't it? Was it Chinese? Uh, no, it, it's uh, made in oh uh, Singapore. Oh, oh well, I thought it was Indian well, as well. I, I think it's because I've had it at curry houses quite a lot. But you know, if, if Tiger are interested in um, in sending us a crate of that each, that'd be fantastic. World acclaimed Asian lager, award winning full bodied beer. Well, I mean, if they're not happy with that incredible plug, where I got the countries wrong, and you're you know you're reading out how great it is, then I don't see I don't see what they can complain about. Two crates easy, please. Oh. Could- could I make a plea to some of our UK listeners? <laughs> We're just going to start um, asking for free stuff now. Uh, not not free stuff, no. Um, if you know anywhere that stocks a Ranji Boom Lager, Tell the, will you let me know where it is? Shop me and me does some. A Ranji Boom? Yes. Are you kidding? Well, it's definitely in there. All right, well, we need to have a, a conversation off, uh, off off mic then, don't and we? And I'd say that's an awful uh, beer, but I don't want any. If they're thinking of sending me some, please don't, because I don't want any. I, I like the 5% stuff. I don't like the, the higher strength stuff. Well, let's let's not do, um, you know, review booze or whatever it would be. <laughs> we we would love that podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's not within the purview of this of this one, and uh, people are already probably be turning off. So, have we got anything else to say about about James? We've done our favorite tracks, our least favorite tracks. We've somehow no, uh, managed to ramble on a lot longer than I was expecting as well. Yeah, so uh, maybe you're familiar with James, maybe you're not. Maybe you're familiar with this album, maybe you're not. But I highly recommend that you go away in closed cans and you listen to this album. It There is a lot to find. If it doesn't strike you right away like it didn't with me, stick with it. Put it on every couple of months until until it starts to sink in. Uh, it's... Um, it is what it is a really really good album. Next time round, we're going to be looking at Arcade Fire and the debut album Funeral. This will be one that Johnny legitimately introduced me to back in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, uh, and I think it's going to be a very lively discussion because while myself and Johnny are both fans of Arcade Fire, we have two very very different takes on the career so far yeah i think we to to sum it up and not spoil anything we i think we basically just like different eras and different things about the band so and there's been times when um tyler's been to watch them and i've said i'm not interested or i'm too busy and um i think that'll lead to some interesting discussion and also it's one of the tracks from this album was one of the ones that bono picked for his 60 albums that's uh, 60 albums 60 songs that saved his life so it will be interesting discussion, I think. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to that one. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. See you soon. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 2 to you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 
or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.